The views stated by the hosts of this podcast are opinion only and should not take the place of a qualified healthcare professional or mental health specialist. This podcast is for education and recreation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Thanks Hi. for joining us again. Leslie, our seventh episode, number lucky, seven. Lucky number seven. That's right. Um, this podcast is about self-care and witchcraft in the modern world. I am Allison. I'm Leslie. And, and I should be paying attention. Leslie's looking at her phone. It's totally cool, dude. Um, and Leslie and I are witches and healers in our community, and we're asked questions every day in the work that we do. And this podcast is a space for us um, where we can share our knowledge and experience. This is also a space for you, dear listener, um, to hopefully find inspiration, feel empowered, um, find community wherever you are in your journey. Indeed. Here we are. Here we are. Um, So, excuse me. Today, we're just doing questions, right, girl? I'm really excited about this. Oh, me too. Just going to let them rip. We have six pages on our outline, folks. It's true. Six pages. And thanks, guys, for being patient for those that answered, uh, asked a question maybe well over a month ago. It's true. Yeah. We are blessed to say that there's been great um, response to this, but then also we have a lot of questions to go through. So we just kind of thought we'd just like free flow it and really focus on that today. But, um, we also want to thank our sponsor anchor FM. They're the folks that, um, sponsor our podcast and kind of pull it together and make it available to places like Stitcher. Um, and, iTunes, maybe. We don't know yet. So hopefully soon. Spotify. (laughs) And also Spotify. Um, And I don't know if you guys know this, but you can log on to the Anchor FM app and leave us a voicemail message. Um, We've got a lot of really beautiful ones. Um, They give you a minute. So some folks are... Oh, I was wondering about that. Yeah. It's a minute long that you have space to... um, say whatever you want really and some folks are kind of writing themselves scripts others are free flowing it but we've been really enjoying receiving those messages we want to encourage everyone to do it if you feel called I, I, you feel so much closer to somebody when you can hear their voice I absolutely think. it feels more intimate yes yeah um so we had a lot of fun uh last episode answering those uh messages and we want to encourage you all to do that Excellent. so thank you yeah. in the future and right now and all the things. Um, yeah, so we are having a beer mm-hmm. today. We are. It's we, Sunday. It is Sunday. We had a huge salad. Huge salad. Uh, Lots prior of Prior to this. So hopefully I won't be spaghetti burps all, all uh, episode like I have in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Here she goes again. Spaghetti burp. Um, also, no. Bean is just right here, Allison, Our, and Donna's yeah. beautiful dog, Bean. She's very cuddly today. She's real in love with everybody. She is. She is. So we've got a lot of... Uh, a lot of love in the mm-hmm. room. It's true. Mm, it's so nice. Speaking of love, Leo season. Yeah. Thank fucking God. Like, oh. I love, I love Leo season. Um, it makes me feel so much better about myself. Because yeah. <laughs> cancer season was a real, real rough one for me. And I know what, for you Donna, too, what Leslie. did you say earlier? But 
sick not butt sick butthurt <laughs> butthurt <laughs> cancer season was was just all of us being butthurt over everything <laughs> the funniest way i've never heard that before. yeah just all all being all being butthurt crying oh, all the time hurt. um my rising sign i know you guys know this already but you know as a cancer rising like it just really it was like so amplified Ooh. yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and just like so much, yeah. Like, oh, I gotta work on that again. Oh, oh. I gotta work on this again. Oh God, do I, I really thought we have were to over this. So to... cool. <laughs> My butt hurt. Is that how? Is that the context in which you say that? I'm. I am. I butt hurt. I am butt hurt. Okay. <laughs> I almost spit my beer out. <laughs> also, I'm getting over a head cold, so I'm going to be coughing and sounding like I was smoking some Marlboro Cools. Get that sexy voice. Out, out front. Hold on, mm. I'm going to get a ciggy. <laughs> a little ciggy shig. You going <laughs> to hold your uh, pack of cigs in your bra? Yeah. I've done that. I used to smoke. Mm-hmm. 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 I, I dabbled myself. Did you? Yeah, it was a little social, though. That's what you did in the 90s. Oh, clove action. Oh, clo- God, cloves. Clove cigs. Oh, those would make me like... Oh, yeah. I did did I inhale? Probably not. Oh, God. <laughs> I did once and I got nauseous. Yeah, and that's pretty much nauseous. it. Then it's just like a... Dargerums, I think they were called dargerums. <laughs> yes. Weren't yeah. they? Oh, yeah. Jesus. I used to smoke clove cigarettes on the patio at Kelly's bar. Oh, sweet. Yeah, in East Liberty. <laughs> I used to be like uh-huh. a huge cigar smoker. I worked at a cigar shop in Boston called Gloucester Street Cigar Company. Holy shit. I sold stogies. I sold stogies. You sold those stogies. I sold stogies. Did you smell like cigars when you went home? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, Because you could come in there and just like guys would come in and smoke cigars. That's fascinating, isn't it? Isn't that kind of culture? Like, what mm. was I thinking? Well, you're just trying to make make a living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. That's it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> What's she into mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, anyway. Just going off on a tangent about cigars real quick. Yeah. Do you know what I find disgusting? Cigars. Cigars. <laughs> but also, <laughs> most most specifically, the 50-plus-year-old dudes that just, like, have that little nub in their mouth, oh. and it's all, like, wet and mushy, oh. and they bring it everywhere, even into the grocery store. <laughs> and they're just, like, chewing and sucking just on it. It's just away. so, it's so gr- dis- Oh, come on, guys. That's gross. Chew some gum. Do you know that's why I couldn't eat dolmas for a while, I think. That makes a lot of sense. That makes sense now? Yes, it's a little it's a little nubbin from a cigar. Just smushy I and... Swear to God. Soggy. Oh, so gross. Oh, God. Oh, I can't even. Yeah. Anyway. Cigars. So, all right. Great. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Leo season. Leo season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in Le- it. We, we sure are in it. Um, Leslie got her hair cut. It looks amazing. Amazing. What What did your stylist call the, the cut? Shullet. A shullet. A shullet. A shag mullet, sort of. It's uh, Her hair is I tell you what, I fantastic. felt like Nancy Wilson when I walked out of there. I yeah. really did. Yeah. Wonderful local haircut gal. Oh, yeah, she did a fine job. That's great. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leo Rising, so I got to get my mane right. That's right. Maybe that's why you and Donna love each other so much. Yeah. Because Donna's a Leo son. <laughs> they just they just touched fingers. It was really sweet. Oh, you guys. When's your birthday, Donna? Uh, the 18th. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, 14 cool. days from now. Mm-hmm. 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 Very 
fine. 14 days from now. Exciting. It's going to be fantastic. <clears throat> 38 will be Donna. She's a baby. She's really not. She's way older than me. (laughs) People are talking a lot about like spiritual age versus chronological age. Yeah. Spiritual age. Donna's like 104. Yeah. And I'm like 10. (laughs) But I'm I'm like. I disagree with you. Well, whatever. Anyway, self-perception, you know, it's (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. Um, Are you ready to go into some questions? All right, cool. Yeah, because there's so many good ones. There are. Do you you want to start? I can do it. Okay. Okay. Claire cool. from Pittsburgh. Hi, Claire. Hey, Claire. She says, sup, witches. I'm wondering if you can give some advice on how to hone in on your spiritual side. I've always felt called to the spirit world despite my Christian up- upbringing. I'm 25 and finally feel that I'm emerging from my cocoon into my true, possibly witchy self. After my last tarot reading with Leslie, thanks. You're welcome, Claire. I got a deck and started learning more about tarot because I've always been drawn to it. But how do you know if you're really doing this right? What can I do to find out how to emerge into the spirit world and how to find out which rituals and practices are strongest or most resonating with my energy? Sorry, I know this is a few questions actually, but help. So... All right, Allison. Thank you, Claire. So cool. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just want to start off by saying you are doing it right because you're honoring your intuition and you're honoring whatever you're being called to start with, which sounds like tarot. And that's what a lot of people do. Um, you know, and I know that I've said this before, but, you know, this message never gets old, at least to me. There's no right or wrong with this stuff, yeah. really, you know, yeah. in, in the essence of it. And this isn't school. It's not like you're going to get an A in, you know, spell work. It's just mm-hmm. about your own personal experience, um, you know. So as far as Christian upbringing, I, too, was uh, raised that way as well um and I do think that there's a way to kind of reconcile both sides of self if you choose to continue to let's say you know work with God in the way that the Christian community see that being um and yet still you know honor your intuition and and work with with witchy kind of things too Mm -hmm. um I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do this I don't think so either and I think it's trial and error yeah I totally agree with you really like especially when Claire asks um about finding out which rituals and practices are strongest or most resonating with your energy only you're gonna know dude you gotta eat you gotta eat a lot of berries to find out which ones you like best it's true yeah so I would say be a sponge be open to Mm -hmm. it um research your ancestry there's clues that will kind of be in your lineage um to agree i would totally agree with that yeah also there's a deep 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 mysticism attached to christian spirituality um and i find you can you can really uh go down that well so to speak um especially if you start 
working with the the teachings of like Hildegard von Bingen and other Christian mystics. Yeah. Um, a lot of the saints, um, if you, you know, are into Catholicism, a lot of the saints were mystics and they heard quote voices and yeah. they definitely would be seen by many modern Christians today as being witches, sure. which scares them, frankly, you know, um, but <clears throat> yeah, there's, you know, there's a, a really easy way to combine both sides of yourself as long as you're willing to be curious. Absolutely. It's really simple. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. And Claire, if you're asking about, I think you mentioned here after the tarot reading, you got a deck and you started learning more about tarot, but you weren't sure if you were really doing it right. Again, it's a language. It yeah. takes time. Yeah. Build that relationship. I think we've talked a lot about that in the last episode building the relationship with your deck, pulling a card a day, doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. There, Yeah, it's not school. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, and I think even if you, yeah, I mean, it just connection. Yeah, absolutely. And there is something to be said for balancing both like the academic side of learning this stuff and then also honoring your intuition. There's a ton of books out there on tarot. I would highly recommend kind of maybe pulling one or two um, titles that you are really drawn to and working with them. But then also at the same time, when you pull, let's say, the King of Pentacles and, and your intuition s- flips on and says mm-hmm. something to you, you got also have to honor that mm-hmm. as well. I think Rachel Pollock <clears throat> Absolutely. would be a great place to start as far as tarot writing. Yeah. What do you think, Liz? Uh, yeah, and you know, she was also asking about how to hone in on her spiritual side. I do. I, when I started all of this, I was a reading nut. Mm-hmm. I tried to read as many books as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. Love Starhawk's Spiral Dance. Same. Love it. Love Same it. Love t- it. Yep. I still. It's still. It's one in my that I'm always picking up and reading. Mm-hmm. I also love uh, Phyllis Curot's, um Book of Shadows. The whole book is her her experience Mm -hmm. as being a skeptical person and waking up to her witchy self. Um, And there's a lot of inspiration in in Phyllis's words and both in her books. And Phyllis also has some really wonderful books on witchcrafting. Um, So read as much as you can. Like you said, the balance between the scholarly side and the intuitive side. Read what you can, but then apply what you're learning. That's right. And do it every day if you can. Yeah. That's the other thing. And walk in, walk, hone that spiritual, right? I yep. mean, you would say walking in, walking in, the in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's everything because, you know, no matter what your faith is, all of all, you know, religions are rooted in nature. God, goddess, the universe, Yahweh, whoever, mm-hmm. whatever you call the great being in the sky, whatever's right. governing this life is rooted in nature. And so that's one of the best ways to really clear your energetic channels from everyday stress and yeah. then also open up to yeah to yourself and your higher self and your ancestors and your guides and all those things so that's really important to to make time for that yeah and look at the moon every night find her and mm-hmm. look at her every night i think make that connection too because she'll start to open she'll shine those those moon rays on you and kind of help you open up too absolutely yeah, that's a great question, Claire. Thank you yeah, so very thank much. You. Hope and helps. congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you say last time? Welcome to the fold. Welcome to the fold. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Awesome. All right. Uh, Ashley from Pittsburgh says, as someone who is just beginning my journey with ancestral work, I was wondering if I should have a separate altar just for my ancestral rituals. Should my ancestral altar be separate from the altar I use for daily magic work and meditation? Or is it okay for them to be together? Thank you. Love the podcast. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, Ashley. We love it too. Um, Take it, Allison. Oh, 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 well, you know. I'm See, grabbing Allison, this. Like, does it, Allison's work is deep grabbing this mic. work. <laughs> um, well, yes, you you must absolutely separate your ancestral altar from any kind of working altar. And a working altar, again, is something that you are actively working. An ancestor altar should be one that is away from your sleeping slash sexy space you don't should, want them watching you no or maybe you do and that's up to well you, no but, but they do not they do <laughs> not know, let me I be know. clear about that sorry I know, <laughs> no it's, there's no kinkiness in the ancestral realm they don't want to see you <laughs> You also don't want it in the bathroom. Yeah, it's it's just about respect. So you want to have an ancestral altar, let's say, in your kitchen or in a spare bedroom of some kind. Your ancestral altar should be built around people who have passed on. So that means no no one that's actually alive. Um, So if you choose to have photographs of um, your ancestors on your altar, everyone in the picture should be on the other side. They should not be living. Right, Leslie? That's incredibly. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very important. Accurate. Yeah. Because you don't want to pull those living people into the afterlife, right? Uh, Is that the way we understand Well, it? Uh, yes, it's that. And then also, um, let me think for a second here. It's, you're basically making that person step one foot in the other world and one foot in this world. And that can be very jarring, um, energetically for that person. Right. Right. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, I don't want to go like all doomsday. I'm dramatic. It's all, it's fine. I'm dramatic. (laughs) Pull them to the other side. (laughs) Come over. (laughs) Um, no, but you know, not to be all doomsday about it, but you know, you want, you, you just want to have like a clean energetic space, you know? So if your mom's still around, just don't have her in the picture. And so the question would be like, well, if I only have a picture of my grandmother that also has my mom in it, you just make a photograph of a photocopy of it and then cut your mom out and then put your grandma in a frame and put her on the on the altar mm-hmm. flowers are really good mm-hmm. glass um, of water glass of water let's talk about that uh-huh. for a minute it's a super it's a very cool thing it's a very common thing mm-hmm. um to put a glass of water on any altar really right. but especially ancestral altars because water is a conduit between the two worlds Mm -hmm. it's also acting as an offering to your ancestors because water is life Mm -hmm. um and that can be l-i-f-e or l-y-f-e and Uh, um (laughs) i'm getting a look (laughs) life (laughs) um and so you know by by putting that it's basically like an energetic um signal to ground and root and call in the people that you're working with who are on the other side it feels like a loudspeaker yes or like a megaphone or something also or what do i want to say yeah kind of like that like water is 
I've also read that when you go to a natural body of water that's flowing, like a babbling brook, for example, it's a great place for you to connect with your ancestors or loved ones that, the, that have passed because water is, um, there's you, souls pass over water when they transition mm-hmm. to the other world. So mm-hmm. water is kind of that like gate. I yeah. feel like and there's a lot of mythology mm-hmm. in that too. We can kind of see that in the Greek, Greek and Roman myths. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Avalon, of course, you know, oh, you yeah. got a, the myth of mythological Avalon. You have to travel from this world to Avalon through, you know, a boat and a lake, yeah. right? Yep. 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 Maybe the lake. Um, so they should be separate. Um, now you can put like a token, like object on your working altar that symbolizes your ancestry and or your ancestors um, to kind of like yoke them into your daily workings. Yoke them into? Yeah. Like encourage them to be yeah. in your... Okay. Yep. Encourage them I to be there. these new words. <laughs> and, and also, you know, to remind yourself that they're always present with you. Um, but I find that you can't neglect the ancestral altar in the way that you're, you're continuously, you know, activating your working altar. They need to be kind of visited in like the same kind of regularity. Mm -hmm. So no dust refreshing the water every three days or less. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, no dead flowers, no dried flowers. So you really, you really want it to be an active an active space. Some people offer food. Yeah. Um, Rum, tobacco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crystal, um, like a money. Yeah. Point, you know. Yeah. Rum is, rum is really particular to South American, okay. um, cultures. I know this kind of bleeds into certain people's practices, but I really like to keep my stuff energetically clean as far as ancestral mm. and cultural appropriation stuff. So for me, my ancestors come from Scotland, Ireland, and Germany and Italy. So I often will have um, like scotch mm-hmm. or whiskey instead of rum because mm-hmm. any kind of hard liquor alcohol will be a, an appropriate offering. That's just how I do yeah, it. Yeah, of course. No shame on anybody else. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, so I would really encourage anyone to set up an ancestral altar because I really feel like it elevates your magical workings um, because, you know, you have then your A-team with you, you know, the people that really want you to be well and happy who have crossed over on the other side. Um, yeah. I find it to be super beneficial to, yeah. to have them around yeah and anyway i really yeah. dominated this one no <laughs> i'm because, sorry no, and, and it, as you should as i want you know i this is totally your bag but i think it would be really interesting to consider your placement like if your aunt if your grandma may was like an incredible cook then yes. i would think about really putting it in the kitchen Absolutely. you know put her where she put them where they're going to be happiest maybe they loved watching the seven o'clock news absolutely have them be in, in the, the living, living room, room or, yeah Yep. Or really love to entertain, put it in the dining room. So really kind of consider. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. 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 I've seen fun. some gorgeous ancestral altars in the kitchen. Yeah. Like really, really fantastic. Yeah. So because like the kitchen's also kind of the heart of the home. Yeah. Too, you know, so it kind of like keeps them in the loop as far as like family chatter and gossip. Because of course they still want to know what's going on. Absolutely. You know, God. Yeah. My mom loves to gossip. It's, it's so real. Donna's like shaking her head in the kitchen. In the in the kitchen, kitchen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, She's it dishing it up. Yep. You know? Oh. 
anyway cool. so thank you yeah thanks so much mm-hmm. okay we've got may from pittsburgh and she says uh, may says if y'all have any advice thoughts or personal stories on honoring our grandmothers or ancestors in life and beyond and also in doing the work to heal our families and discovering the magic that was hidden under different names it would mean a lot to me to hear it mm-hmm. so yeah kind of staying yeah. in that ancestral tree for a moment Thank you, May. Yeah. Allison, again, ancest- like ancestral workings is, is really a forte for you. So thoughts here for May? So first of all, um, yeah, thanks for your question. And um, <clears throat> I know a little bit of a backstory uh, from this question. We, we chose not to put everything in here out of, out of honoring May's experience. Um, so we want you to know that we're with you during this time, May. Um, I would say just piggybacking on, on what we were talking about with Ashley's question. Mm-hmm. Um, since you are witchy inclined, creating an altar for the person that has already passed on yeah. recently is super important because that honors them. But most importantly, at this point, it honors your own grief. Yeah. Absolutely. And it creates a container for you to be safe so that you can really feel that. Yeah. Because by really feeling that, it doesn't linger. And you can really work through it in a much more authentic way. Yeah, it feels like it gives you something to tend to. Yeah, that's another one. Like I'm bringing great care to this Mm -hmm. as you're grieving and kind of, and I've always heard like, remembering keeps our our loved ones alive absolutely absolutely and you know i just got i got two images may so the first one is um many there's a there's a uh, cross-cultural tradition of tending a grave site it happens here in the u.s it certainly happens in in lots of other other places japan china you know there's buddhist tradition around this there's shinto tradition around this there's um, mexican tradition around this and so on and so on um of tending a person's grave site and by that i mean lighting incense if if you're so inclined um having fresh flowers, replacing those flowers with frequency, having offerings and just holding space with that person in, in honoring and remembering them. And if you're not able to do that per se, I would say um, something that would be really nice. And I know that that may comes from a Christian background too. So this may really resonate with you is lighting a, um, a seven day white candle and kind of keeping that like vigil going for that person because you are sending them off with your well wishes and, um, you know, really honoring their Mm -hmm. life in Mm -hmm. that way. That's awesome. Yeah. I and you know just what to say. Oh, thank. Oh, shucks, shucks, guys. You know, and as far and uh, one more thing I want to say is, um, she says in doing the work to heal our families, yeah, um, and discovering the magic that was hidden under different names, um, the patriarchy. Not to get heavy on this, but the patriarchy has done an excellent job through all aspects of our culture at squashing our intuition, squashing the God inside of us um, and making God removed from us so that it is outside of us. And um, 
So if you have a family full of mystics, which I, again, I know this person um, yeah. who wrote in and I know that they do have a family full of mystics. Um, another beautiful way of honoring your loved one's life is by furthering your own personal practice yeah. because by healing that connection and honoring that connection, you are healing the mother line you know, yeah. which travels through time, yeah. through our ancestral DNA. Yeah. yeah. Through the umbilical cord. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no matter where you come from, as far as your background and your faith, I think it's, I think that we are born in this time specifically because we are all being called to do and, and heal the work of our families. Um, so, and I understand that if you were doing the healing work in your life present, presently today, you know, present day, you can heal your past line and you can feel, heal the future line as well. Is that correct? That's right. Because, um, time is actually not linear. That's, that's actually a patriarchal concept. Linear, linear time is a patriarchal concept. So, um, so the, the reality of it is that you can, do all kinds of work on your family line just by working with yourself, which is cool. That is awesome. It's fucking rad. Thanks, May. Thank you, May. They're looking at each other, those two. I, I put a you? nut in my mouth and I was chewing it, and then I thought it would be too loud and chewy. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is not a good idea. But then she put them right there, and they look so delicious. And now Donna is they're, pushing they're, them away. <laughs> they're salted. What are they, dark chocolate? Hey, yeah, what's the snack of the podcast this yeah. time around? Dark chocolate almonds, sea salt, and turbinado sugar. From, from Trader, Joe's. Trader Joe's. Delicious. This was a gift mm. from a friend. Oh, that's, a lo- mm. that's a thoughtful gift. It, it is. Mm. I better not. <laughs> I'd like to, but I better not. Allison's turn. You chew one of those. Okay. We have an anonymous person here writing in. This, this question begins, Hello. This might not be an appropriate question here, but it's weighing heavily on me. I had a miscarriage two weeks ago, found out this week, and had a DNC. I'm just trying to get back to my emotional, spiritual level of well-being and was wondering what tips or things I should be doing. While I understand what happened and I'm at peace over it, I just don't feel emotionally well. Thank you for your consideration. Mm-hmm. Oh, my heart to yours. Mine as well. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear this. This is uh, a tough time for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most important to, thing to do right now is self-care mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like. Yeah. And what came to mind for me, too, was something that you had mentioned to May, you know, keeping a vigil of a seven-day candle and lighting um lighting that in remembrance of that soul mm-hmm. but yeah self-care is 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 the is the best way to strengthen that mm-hmm. emotional well-being right now mm-hmm. absolutely there's this idea that that we have of pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and just moving on with life and i think that that's really not the best way to go about working with grief um because you know you're really not honoring all those parts of yourself that Mm -hmm. need that 
tender space. Yeah. Um, so I would also really encourage you anonymous to take time for yourself and set good and kind boundaries with the people in your life and help them to understand that, you know, you really need to kind of take a step back and, and work on working with what has happened, you know, to you. Anything else, Allison, like, um, you know, maybe doing some kind of a ritual bath or something mm-hmm. could be healing and grounding. I just, I'm, I love working with Himalayan salt mm-hmm. and doing salt baths for stuff like this. It feels hmm. like an energetic hug to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And also, um, I like the idea of a ritual bath because this also really holds you in like an amni- amniotic fluid sort of. Yeah space yeah. which is just so um deeply connected to what what is going on for you and then also you're signaling to your body yeah you know that this healing can take place too because this is not just an emotional thing for you it's also a physical thing as well and you have to honor that too yeah you know another thing that has come to mind recently um that i've been begun to bring more into my practice as I keep myself aware of it is when, and this is more on an energetic level, but I thought in this case, it could also be helpful when we clear parts of ourselves energetically. Let's say we do some work around our heart chakra and we clear through some of the energy or some heart pain. We leave an open space. Mm. And I think when what I've been taught and what I've been learned and what I've been working towards is filling that open space with healing light and so kind of creating a visualization of self and so I'm speaking to your womb space filling that with just warm loving golden light and energy and just pulling that um, healing that space visually imagining kind of filling it up with like a beautiful golden liquid Mm-hmm. Does that resonate mm-hmm. with you? Too? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of us think about the banishment part, but we don't think about what to bring in. And when we leave that that space open, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes it gets filled back up again with the stuff that we wanted to banish. Yeah. You know, because you know, grief is is um, an unpredictable thing, mm-hmm. and sometimes we feel like we've passed something, and then it comes back to us again and fills us back up, Mm -hmm. you know, and then Mm -hmm. we have to keep emptying that cup. And the more we're able to release and then fill back up again with that goodness and that pureness of your own spirit. Yeah. Um, I think that's um, a really good practice to think about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like energetically, you know, you've, you've gone through and you've seen a doctor and you've cleared that space, but now like going in and energetically clearing and filling it up with Mm -hmm. like love and healing and compassion and preparing the space to be filled again. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful, Leslie. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well wishes to you, anonymous. Well wishes. Lots of love. Uh, 
Ruth from New Jersey says, Dear Leslie and Allison, I love your podcast so much. I en- Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. <laughs> thank you. I enjoy your insights and conversations and have learned so much. The depth of your friendship with one another resonates in every episode. Heart emoji. Thank you so much. That really is so <laughs> sweet. Um, and then she says, I have a question. You defined moon phases as it relates to the triple goddess archetype as new moon, maiden, full moon, mother, dark moon, crone. I'm looking for clarification regarding magical alignment and intention to the moon's phases. So during the period of the new moon, it appears, quote, dark because its reflection is minimal to zero in those couple of nights. It's like two or three nights. This makes new moon and dark moon one in the same, right? So I am guessing you mean to refer to the waxing moon as maiden, the wanning moon as crone. And I reckon that makes the new moon the time of rebirth. Or are you referring to the dark moon when its light cannot be seen during a person's night hours because it's not risen yet? or has already traveled past the setting horizon or one other time might be during a lunar eclipse. These could very well be times of self recovery and retraction. Loving the hag hotline, Ruth. Thanks Ruth. So the dark moon Mm -hmm. is when the light hasn't reflected onto it. It is there. It is present. It has not gone below the line. It is not in a lunar eclipse situation. It is the, it's the dark moon, the void of moon, mm-hmm. prior to the very first teeny tiny little sliver of crescent, which is then the new moon. Correct. Right, Allison? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And <clears throat> there's some like weird, there's just some fuzziness around this as far as like when to do your new moon workings. Right. <clears throat> and I've, uh, um, the old way that I used to work with is like the quote the dark moon is the new moon and then I would do my my workings but now I've embraced this Mm -hmm. idea of the new moon is actually when you see that teeny tiny sliver of light and that's when I do my magical workings because that's when the moon has become reborn right and to use your words the dark moon is a great time for rest recovery and retraction Mm mm-hmm Almost as if to say, preparing yourself to do the work. That's right. That's right. And also some would say that the wanting or waning, (laughs) the the wanting into the dark moon phase is the crone phase. Mm -hmm. Um, That in the dark moon in particular, that's when the crone phase really resonates with me personally. The dark moon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The banishing time, you know, is, is, uh really full of crone wisdom yeah i would say yeah and i remember you discussing to um shadow work during the dark definitely dark moon yeah which again belongs to the crone mm-hmm. i would say mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. yeah for sure Great. um okay well i hope i hope that we clarified a little bit on that thank you so much ruth yeah thanks ruth yeah awesome Ooh, we are we're doing so oh nice. Boy, oh, oh boy, we're just cruising right along here. We sure are. So our next question comes from Katie in Arizona. Hi, Katie. She says, hi, and thank you both so much for all the work that you do. From Western Pennsylvania, now living in Tucson, 
I miss the woods and all my plant friends with each changing season. I can only imagine. For real. Oh, <laughs> but, so oh my gosh, just to trade for that landscape. I'm sure it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, Katie says, can you recommend a book or three that will remind me of home through the plants and their spirits, whether it be informational, fables, tales, history, etc., anything. Also, I'm of European descent, so nature spirits of that area and or Pennsylvania forests would be most appreciated. Beyond plants, do you have recommendations including more all-encompassing, introductory, or general material rooted in European tradition to guide me in the whole of life? Could include any type of info like is discussed on the podcast Oh, I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much from the magical deserts of Southern Arizona and from my heart. Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate this question. Um, I went to my personal library before we started recording and I pulled three texts that I really love. And um, these are books that are allies of mine that I've um, really taken a lot of my practice from, and I hope, I hope they really resonate with you uh, too. Um, I do kind of am, am, I'm wondering a little bit. So you you say you're of European descent, so nature spirits of that area and or Pennsylvania forests could would be most appreciated. Um, I don't really have much information for you around that other than like what my own personal experience is and I think that would take a super long time (laughs) to talk about on the podcast um so I'm kind of put a pin on that I hope you don't mind Katie but the first title um that I would suggest to you is written by Matthew Wood he's an incredible herbalist from Michigan um he's a respected elder in the American herbal community he's written um a two-part series book called um the earthwise herbal and i'm actually going to recommend to you the complete guide to old world medicinal plants and this particular book um highlights all the plants from europe which frankly most of these have have moved here to uh north america through colonization um so this book also discusses a little bit of folklore in the introduction of each individual plant. It's organized by its Latin genus species. Um, and then it goes into his own personal experiences around working with the medicine, not the spirit, but the medicine of the plants. So I feel like that would be a really nice one to pick up and look through. And the next one um, I would recommend is actually written by a European author. She uh, hails from the UK. Her name is Glenny <gasps> Kindred. What a great name. She's incredible. She's Glennie really, Kindred. oh my God, she's fucking amazing. And that's G as in girl, L-E-N-N-I-E Kindred. You can pick up her books online from her publisher's website. Um and I would highly recommend doing this because she gets more money that way than through Amazon. And that is, um, oh dear. Can Donna put these maybe, can we get them like in the notes or something? Okay. Yeah, we can. And we can th- take pictures. I can put them on Instagram. That too. sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Um, this one is published through Hayden House Limited. Um, but if you go to her website, glennykindred.com, UK, you can find a link to this. And the one that I really love the most is called Letting in the Wild Edges. It is part 
herbal book. So she's got um, recipes and like medicinal information about uh, English herbalism, which is cool. It's also part pagan ritual book, which is super cool. And it's laid out through um, by the seasons, um, by the the, uh, wheel of the year. And so each... Each season has maybe 12 or 13 pages written about it. Um, And then also just lifestyle practices during that time of year too. She's really into walking the land um, and just kind of like getting into deeply what's happening for the plant and animal life during each season, which I'm super big into. That's how I taught myself um, wild crafting. It's just by paying attention. So um I'm popping those peas too much. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> I'm getting excited. Um, yeah, so Glenny Kindred has written a lot of books, and my personal favorite one is, again, Letting in the Wild Ed- Edges. And the last title, and this is probably my most dog-eared book that I own, is written by Corin Boyer, and that's C as in cat, O-R-I-N-N-E, Boyer. This is put out by Troy Books, which is a UK publisher, but this woman um, lives and teaches in Oregon. And my this is probably my number one favorite hmm. book, and it's called Under the Witching Tree. Oh. Yeah, and so it's a book all about magic and medicine um, and working with trees in particular. Um, That's awesome. And it highlights, I think, 13 different trees, all of which are mostly of European um, tradition. So it definitely links into that ancestral connection across the pond. Um and she just has a really beautiful way of writing about these these amazing uh, plant allies, our green elders, and and then also has some really nice medicine making tips too. So, yeah, I bet you've got a great library. Yeah, <laughs> too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Katie, very much. And I will say, you know, a lot of us Eastern folk kind of consider the extreme changes in the seasons as being the seasons. But if you, um, I don't know how long you've lived in Arizona, but you'll start noticing the landscape changing according to the wheel of the year and different plants doing different things and flowering at different times. So there's still that cyclical connection that you can find in that desert space as well. And I hope you really enjoy it there. Yeah, Yeah, It's beautiful. Awesome. Uh, Letitia from New Mexico writes, hi ladies. I would like to know your thoughts on overcoming lost family magic and ritual traditions. I moved to the U.S. from Cuba in 1999 when I was 12, and I unfortunately lost touch with my family off and on. My grandmother and aunt were the primary practitioners, and I was taught a lot, but I forgot so much. I remember my paternal grandmother and aunt practicing ritual and magic, especially protection and healing people came from all over to have my abula heal them, especially stomach issues. My tia has unfortunately passed suddenly a couple of years ago now, and my abula needs a constant caretaker, but she's fragile in her elder years. Growing up with so much love, connection to my birthlands, magic, and rituals, I feel empty a lot of the time. I've closed myself off from most of my magic, but I'm starting to feel that I'm ready to heal my soul. I feel an awareness, a quickening within me. 
Would it be okay to be able to practice based off of memory? Is my version of what I experienced valid? For clarification, my grandma is uh, Tayana, I think that's how you say it, sorry if I'm mispronouncing things, Indian, and a lot of her magic incorporated local lore, plant-based healing knowledge, and some Santeria Catholicism. She married my grandpa, a white man, and I'm as white as it gets. The majority of my ancestry is white Spaniards. I'm the first redhead in three generations. I struggle to find a respectful boundary that validates my experiences with Santeria, family traditions I grew up around, and the reality of my race. And I do not, um, and I do not want to set myself up to overstep or appropriate any anyone's culture slash magic. Thank you for your time. I hope you consider my situation and questions. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> reading, reading, reading. Oh, yeah, Letitia. Yeah, that's a great. Abuela, Abuela, I apologize. Oh, man. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> Abuela. That's a beautiful word. That's a beautiful word. Mm-hmm. I mean, this goes back to our first couple questions. It sounds like an ancestral altar would, would be really great for Letitia. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel a little bit conflicted because on one hand, when it comes to cultural appropriation and and what you call your whiteness um you have their blood yeah and i would say then you have their blessing especially and i'm underlining bolding this exclamation point especially since you're called to do it yeah it's it's almost like you're honoring their memory by continuing the bloodline in this way and i think that's where the elders and my intuitive feeling about it would be so sad as if now i'm gone and our tradition's done Mm -hmm. you know isn't the fact that we're procreating and creating family that we can carry on our traditions absolutely absolutely yeah yeah so you know your question of should i practice based off of my memory yes yeah but then also begin to educate yourself again well, and I felt too, like in, intuitively when I was hearing you read this, start with what you know, and the rest will begin to show up and inform you. Absolutely. And then you can continue and you can educate yourself the more you're yeah. tuned into it. Living teachers will step forward. Mm-hmm. You'll come across books yeah. that really resonate with your practice. Yeah, your ancestors so, will put you in that pl- absolutely. position. Absolutely. And there's a, there's mm-hmm. a deep... Um, uh, practice of Santeria in lots of places. And so, you know, there are many people that would be able to teach you more about that too, as you know, if you want to set up a teacher student sort of scenario. Yeah. And I, you know, Instagram, but like find, find some other folks that are practicing. Yeah, and Michael it, came right into yeah, my mind. Absolutely. Michael, yeah. um, from old ways apothecary, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. is our, our friend, I would say, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and that, um, you know, he practiced Santeria. He's in California. Um, I would highly recommend reaching out to him. He does, yes. um, readings with people. He does yeah. coachings with people. Um, old ways I believe is his website. Um, so I would, I would really reach out to him because he's such a kind-hearted soul and he I'm sure would want to talk with you about your experience and beyond that too Michael's really generous with his content and Mm, it might trigger some things for you that are like oh my gosh I actually remember doing this I never knew what to call it so he might help to fill in some blanks for you yeah yeah that's really great Mm -hmm. 
don't be afraid just continue to follow your intuition yeah she says to um she says is is my version of what i experienced valid i would absolutely. say absolutely hell yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely without a doubt valid absolutely yeah so ancestral altar mm-hmm. seek other teachers and healers and witches doing the same thing mm-hmm. and begin to practice yeah. what you know yeah yeah absolutely oh, oh best of wow. luck to you yeah and good for you yeah that's good awesome for you. that's great uh, we've got Sin from Ambridge, PA. Uh, Sin asks, why, when did societies lose their plant connections? Today we have ethnobotanists, but why historically did we lose our local wise women, Allison? Um, the patriarchy. <laughs> and next question? No. No, no but no, I mean, in all, in all actuality, mm-hmm. you know, the, the moment we stepped away from our plant connections is actually the moment we decided to remove ourselves from nature. So that is colonization. Yeah. That is assimilation of other people's cultures. That is unfortunately a lot of our um, mechanical... Um, processes in our just world culture as far as um, the industrial revolution moving from agriculture to industrial because when you're not in nature all the time you don't know nature right yeah I mean not to be basic about it and and there are people that are studying this stuff and can speak so much better about it than I can but but to to simplify it it's it's the patriarchy yeah without a doubt yeah. So, and the um, burning of the witches. God damn, God damn. Yeah. Esther from Michigan, have any of you had to keep your practice hidden due to family beliefs? If so, how does this impact your practice and growth as a witch? What do you do for an altar that you don't want in the open? I'm new to practicing all, although looking back, it's always been there. My family is ultra conservative, and for now, I've chosen to keep my practice hidden. I understand. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 And yeah. My, fam- my family is as well, um, although they're, they've come around a little bit. Speaking from personal experience, yeah. um, keeping your altar hidden is 100% okay. Yeah. I think a lot of witches do and have done that just for pure survival. Yeah. Um, and so... What do you do? So I would say if you're living physically with these people, um, keeping an altar in a, some sort of cabinet that you can close would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, or like, you know, kind of putting it in your closet where you can just close the door and no one will know the wiser, you know, that it's in there. Um, I do feel sad. Um, you know, that you're in this, in this really challenging space. Um, I wish that everyone was able to have a community around them that honored them for who they are and their sacredness. Um, but I think the most important thing is, is that you feel safe. Uh, and so if you need to keep your practice hidden, bless you for that. Yeah. And I don't think that this should hinder, your practice as a witch or your growth as a witch Absolutely at not. all. I think that there are a lot of, I mean, there are, there you're, yeah, I mean, you're, a lot of people have to keep these things quiet. 
you know yeah. um for their job for, now, for their family for now mm-hmm. it's shifting it's changing Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even I, I've, I've even seen some like I'm on Pinterest. I've seen somebody take like an old jewelry box. Oh, yes. I've seen this it's too. It's really cool. And in each little slot, you can have your candles and your herbs and your crystals and your talismans mm-hmm. and photos that you want to, you know, anything. And then you can pull that out yeah. and it keeps it like really sacred and protected and, um, and you can kind of have have it on the go. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Even a traveling, I think even having a traveling altar when you can go out hiking or something and just do something small. And actually for this, I've seen a lot of people utilize birthday candles. I've seen that too. Because they're small and you can kind of take them on the go real quick. Mm-hmm, and they burn real fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can do a quick ritual if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But don't let it hinder you. And like Allison said, and, and I hope that this will be true for you too, that if they, you know, the love is there and eventually hopefully you can feel comfortable about sharing some of your beliefs. Mm-hmm. I hope that for you. I hope so too. Yeah. All the best, mm-hmm. Esther. So we've got a question here from Clara, Hi, Clara in Pittsburgh. Hi, Clara. I would love to hear you both speak on beginning a practice of rituals and how to grow that practice. Also advice about using local herbs and plants instead of outsourcing. How do you find the plants and know what you're looking at in the wild? Mm-hmm. Like especially mugwort. If somebody's just like, hey, I've heard, about, I've heard about this mugwort. Yeah. How can I find it? Like, how would I know it's mugwort, I suppose? So do you think that's... Claire, is that what you're asking? No. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to know where to begin and yeah. how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's great. Um, as far as wearing to begin, I would say start where you're at. Are you interested in working with the moon? Are you interested in working with energy of rose quartz? Are you interested in, you know, um, working with the black eyed Susan plant that lives right outside your, your door? It's really just about, Mm -hmm. you know, starting with what you're really interested in Mm -hmm. and, and therefore what you're really called to to do yeah right? yeah and creating you know how do we begin um a practice of rituals i think it's like any positive habit in your life mindfully absolutely I'm going to wake up i'm going to do this mm-hmm. maybe you start very slow maybe it's like i think we've talked about this before but i love talking about it so much so maybe starting a morning gratitude process mm-hmm. that infuses your daily kind of kind of infuses your your mood i suppose for the rest of the day Pulling a tarot card, if that's something that you that you relate with, or an oracle card, or a rune, Mm -hmm. or selecting a crystal for the day that you want to work with, yeah, like create mindfully creating the practice and doing it every day, so then it becomes a lifestyle. Absolutely, and then we can also apply that to your next question: is how do you start working with wild plants? And this is a really simple thing. Um, This is what I did many many years ago, and it is you might even have like a dull moment, but like just look up photos of what that plant is and then try and find it in your landscape. So mugwort is the perfect example. Um, Clara, you say you're from Pittsburgh, so you're here locally to where we live. Mugwort is everywhere, everywhere. And mugwort is a witch's plant and mugwort is an invasive plant, which means that you're going to find it probably right across the street from your house and up the street and down the street. So (laughs) lining your driveway, maybe pretty much, which is what happens right here where I live. So, you know, um, just by 
Maybe you're reading about magical plants and you wonder what Pennyroyal looks like. Just look up the photos. It's pretty simple. Now, here's the thing. You don't want to base your identification just off of photos online. You also want to base your identification off of descriptions of the plant too, so that you can really be sure that that plant is what it really is. Because mugwort can often be confused with something like ragweed as the example. Yeah. So how would you know the difference? Well, there, there's key identifying factors and it's much easier for me to visually show yeah. people this sort of thing. Um, not to plug my own stuff, but I am on YouTube and I do have a mugwort video posted and there's like a lot of in-depth information ab- around the IDing of that plant. So again, if you're interested in, in looking that up, it's just native apothecary on YouTube. And I'd be honored for you to see it. But anyway, so it's really just about being curious about your landscape. Yeah. Doing the work on IDing it, whatever that plant is. Photos online, um, reference books. There's lots and lots of reference books out there. Um, And just being aware of your environment too. You know, that's a really good place to to start. Do you think Clara means... advice about using local herbs and like native plants like mugwort versus sage or desert sage or something do you think that's what she's saying instead of outsourcing i'm not sure um the uh, the advice about using local herbs and plants i would say reaching out to local farmers okay cutting root apothecary Mm -hmm. is um an herb farm in butler pennsylvania and um they vend at all of our farmers markets so if you wanted to find locally grown astragalus local locally grown echinacea those sorts of things you know there are people who do that kind of work pretty much in every major city so you know if you don't live in pennsylvania then you know kind of work with your local farmer on that level um Outsourcing, you know, Mountain Rose Herbs is a a really um, widely used website and and vendor for this sort of stuff. I use them, too, for some of my supplies. Yeah, I Um, I think they do a good job with ethically sourcing their stuff. But, you know, when we bring up White Sage, um, you know, White Sage is a little bit problematic because it's just so over-harvested. So maybe consider working with with something like I know I keep saying this but mugwort because because it's so plentiful and you know it does a really nice job at um if you're working with it on a witchy level you know energetically cleansing your space um and you can easily grow it and pick it here where you live and then you have a deeper connection with that plant ally and then you know it's even better did you grow all of your mugwort mug mug mugwort you grow that mugwort (laughs) sorry (laughs) did you grow all of your mugwort (laughs) i i like (laughs) hey 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 i got a question over here (laughs) yes leslie um no i i find mine in the wild um although my mother-in-law has planted mugwort in our yard because she's just so enthusiastic as a gardener and she knows that I love it so much but um you know I tend to find it in a wild space that is safe and clean for me to harvest it from um so so yeah 
Okay. And Leslie's eating an almond, I and I'm not sure what else to say, which is totally oh. all right. Mm. Um, so I hope, uh, um, Clara, that clarifies. Oh, <laughs> as, I see what you did there. Um, some of your questions, and you know, also feel free to reach out. I'm at Allison at nativeapothecary.net if you've yeah. got, you know, questions as well. I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. Thank you. Carlene from Salt Spring Island, British Columbia, says, I wanted to submit a question about listening to episode two, specifically the P jar spell. It got me thinking, what about justice? I'm a survivor of rape and childhood sexual abuse. With the Me Too movement, I decided to go to the police with my injustices. The police decided I have a case and I have been investigating my abusers for a year now. I was abused by my stepfather and his brother. His brother admitted to everything, but my stepfather has denied everything. He took a lie detector test and it came back inconclusive. I'm a solo witchling and did a ritual for justice, but I feel like I didn't really know what I was doing. But now listening to the P spell... I'm wondering if there is something more I can do. Would either of you have a good suggestion for seeking true justice? I feel well protected from these men, but I want them to pay for the crimes they committed. I'd love any advice you can offer. Thank you so much for the awesome work. Carly, my heart goes out to you. Um, I want to give you a hug yeah, through this too. microphone because yeah. you're the best. <laughs> um, and I feel really sad you know, to hear about your experiences. Um, it's just really, it's really hard, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to go through what you're going through. And I want to commend your bravery, first of all, for stepping up, um, and talking to the authorities about your experience, because this is huge in your journey to healing. Um, and so very, very brave, not only because of what you did, but also because it's your family. Yeah. And that's, um, that's really, really amazing that you were able, able to have the strength uh, to do that. And Leslie and I talked about this prior and we want to start off by saying, well, I speaking for both of us, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no real black and white answer for us. Um, partly because neither of us are going through what you're going through And I mean, what I'm thinking of right now is just honoring your anger Mm -hmm. um, and doing anything you can, you know, to make, make things right for yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think at at this, it is about her being present with herself Mm -hmm. Um, she's taken the, she's done what she can do in the scene world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with, with going to the police and taking the necessary steps to have these people investigated and now she has to take care of herself. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. So healing, Mm -hmm. deep healing, forgiveness, of of yourself, of self, absolutely, of yeah. self, yep. Compassion for self, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what we also discussed, beginning to empower self. Yeah. Again. Right? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. We did talk about that. I think um, empowerment is probably the most important thing to consider <clears throat> in this process because um, the physical world is going to ask a lot of you at mm-hmm. this point because investigations are not easy. They drag up a lot of things that you probably don't want to talk about, you don't want to think about. Um, you know, making a statement one time to the police is is not the end of it um and so strength courage empowerment to continue standing up for yourself Mm -hmm. standing up for your story being a warrior Mm -hmm. yeah and having that kind of fortitude is really important and then also sovereignty yeah over over your life is really huge and i know that you mentioned justice um so one of the things we thought about was the idea of doing a full moon cycle ritual, mm-hmm. working with the energy of the new, the waxing, the full, the waning, and the dark moon, mm-hmm. and going through the entire energetic process of what this experience looks like for you. Yeah, because what we shared is like, this isn't a two-hour candle situation. This is something that requires focus mm-hmm. and um, time. Absolutely. Cause, and we also discussed, you know, both of us have spells we've been working on for... Years. Several, <laughs> several, 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 several years. Yeah, yeah. So... <clears throat> So yeah. you might be wondering, okay, well, what's that look the, like? the practicality of things? <clears throat> um, there's a lot of moving pieces in this in this kind of situation. If you want to continue focusing on the justice aspect of of things, I would say um, the waxing moon space. You could work on every piece coming together for the prosecution easily and consistently having witnesses come through and speak up on your behalf easily and consistently. Um, A a luck aspect also could come through on this too, because again, there's a lot of moving elements in this. Um, And so maybe working with um, a deity that is dedicated to justice, whatever your your path is calling for, um, also would be super helpful because, frankly, this is way, way bigger than any human element. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be really nice to kind of work with um, a much more powerful being mm-hmm. one-on-one mm-hmm. as well. Anything else come through for you, Leslie? Mm-hmm. Um setting up for it as the moon becomes full and then beginning to prepare to also release as the moon then goes into into the dark phase and what can come here is you and you can do these workings you can do them Again, water, uh, elementally, Mm -hmm. Um, water for your emotions can Mm -hmm. be helpful. So ritual baths during this period of time. 
candle magic mm-hmm. as well. And there might even be a novena candle that you want to work with consistently through the month. Mm-hmm. And a seven very, day, yeah, seven day candle. Yeah. Very safe ways that you can go about working with that candle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think of candle colors, if this, because I, I think, you know, light blue, dark blue are candles for justice. Absolutely. Legal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may want to light those on Mars, working with the energy of Mars, mm-hmm. which I believe is Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll maybe every Tuesday yep. want to Light consistently work on that. And it is just one tiny aspect of the great big mm-hmm. spell that, that you're going to be working on. And basically what you're doing is you're revving up this energy. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I know, I know that the, the PGR spell really resonated with you. I don't think that's necessarily applicable to the situation right now because what that is is freezing things, yeah. halting things. Mm-hmm. And you don't want anything to halt at this mm-hmm. point. You want that door to bust the fuck open yeah. so that truth and justice can ring true in your life. Um, and so I would say um, a honey jar spell would be really applicable here. And so what that looks like is getting yourself a container, putting in it slips of paper that have your full name and your birth date on it, the lawyer's full name, um, any information you have about them, the judge's full name, any information about them. And also, I know this is a little strange, but your your um, stepfather's brother's name, your stepfather's name, because you want them to sweeten up so that they then will speak their truth. Adding sugar to that, adding any other herbs for protection and justice to that, sealing that up, putting maybe a a sigil or a rune on there for justice and truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, you would do that during a waxing or full moon. And then putting a candle on top and lighting the candle and allow that um, to burn, burn all the way down. And that activates it. Can she do a votive candle or even just a chi- like a two hour? I, I, I use the chime, okay. the two hour mm-hmm. chime candles. Yeah. I think that she would be really light blue or dark blue on that. Absolutely. Or white. If you have just white candles, that's fine too. That's fine it's- too. Yeah. But I really feel like um, a honey jar and you could also use honey instead of sugar if you wanted to. I just found, find it to be a little messy. So I use sugar. Um, you can do that mm-hmm. quite easily and, you know, really pour your intentions into sweetening the situation and making it in your favor. favor. Yeah. Would be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that came to mind. The other thing too is, um, there's someone on Instagram that I follow named Alicia Sigilotti. She is, um, the well tarot.com. She herself is, is a survivor and a healer and a tarot reader and a, an amazingly inspiring person. Um, and I think it would maybe we be worthwhile creating community with people who've gone mm-hmm. through this and yeah. she might be someone, um, not speaking for her, of course, but maybe striking up a conversation with her about your experience would be really helpful. Cause she's also a witch, yeah. um, you know, who has personal experience with this. And I can say that because she shares it quite openly, um, you know, through her own social media. So mm. a deep bow of mm. respect and gratitude to you. Um, I wish you all the very best. I want all the very best for you and I I very much want to see good things happen for you. Mm -hmm. 
So thank you, Carly. Sending you love, Carly. Absolutely. and your words of kindness are so encouraging. Thank you. So I've always believed that plants have energy, but now I also believe that they have a sort of consciousness. Overall, I think that this is helpful and accurate, but it's presented me with a problem. I became a vegetarian 30 years ago because I didn't want to take something else's life in order to sustain my own. I don't feel bad about eating them or using them for another purpose, but do feel guilty when I have to weed or thin out plants and throw them on the compost pile. I do thank them and apologize before I pull them, but still feel bad. How can I reframe my thinking? Could you share your perspective? Thanks so much for any insight. I love hearing people's voices. Me too. So it lights me up. Oh, what a great question. I feel like this oh, whole this is episode is like... <laughs> That's okay. It's Allison I time. I talked my friggin' head off the last time. <laughs> I'm very... I was very... I talked a lot. <laughs> I know you did. And it's so good. And now this time, just like we talked about earlier, it just flip-flops. It's okay. Flip-flops. But you know, Leslie... Um, how, I mean, I know that you feel energy from things Mm -hmm. and plants and and stuff. How do you, how do you reconcile the whole life death thing? What do you think? You mean like pulling a weed? Yeah. Let's say, let's say like that or eating broccoli, like, you know, or picking a tomato off of, off of the tomato plant. Cause you know, that's taking life too. You know what I mean? What do you think? Excuse me. Of course. Well, I always, I, I let them, I let the, well, in, in pulling weeds, I'm coming in with the intention to remove you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I try to kind of put them, like, for example, here, here's a good example of I what I it. do. Let's okay. Do yeah. When I deadhead my flowers at the shop or I'm pruning anything from the shop, I place it underneath the tree outside of my shop as an offering and a moment for it to kind of be honored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then once it's sort of kind of decayed itself, then I will mm-hmm. dispose of it. Yeah. I do believe, I know that you have to be careful about burning some things, for example, poison ivy. Oh, terrible. Yeah. But I do also believe in burning, kind of kind of releasing the energy from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts I have a lot of, I know you do I, I know you do thoughts. um I also struggle with weeding um energetically and Donna's shaking her head yes I struggle with it just it's, even physically my yeah. mom used to make me weed the cracks all the time and I was like oh god oh not this again um yeah so here's here's some advice speaking as someone who also is challenged by this whole process. Um, Human beings are very much attached to our ego and the ego oftentimes will not be comfortable with this idea of death and the ending of our life. And that's important because it keeps us alive and it keeps us doing what we need to do. Um, 
you know, so that we can be productive and have babies. That's the biology of it, you know, but I having the ability to, um, work with plants on an energetic level and hear them as far as their messages and, and also their teachings. Um, I'm coming from a place of knowing that they are way wiser than us, way more intelligent than us. And they also understand the ebb and flow of life much more than we do. We are so much more fearful of the ebb and flow of life. Um, so what I've been teaching myself in the pro- through the process of weeding my garden spaces is honoring <clears throat> that cycle, that life and death cycle, and honoring that I am a part of that life and death cycle. Mm-hmm. So what I've I've come to realize is like I'm actually having an emotional response to this because I'm afraid yeah. of dying. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> she just did like a mushroom cloud kind of like gesture. M- mind explosion. <laughs> and and certainly never ever ever minimizing, you know, the fact that we are killing something, you know, because that that absolutely 100% needs to be mm-hmm. honored and by honoring the fact that you're pulling that ragweed out of your garden bed, um you are clearly connecting yourself to the inevitable you know which is that you know we live and we die and um on I think it's I can't stop saying the word honoring but really like you know by being mindful of how you dispose of your garden waste that's super important just like you said Leslie um and also just like the caller said you know you you put it on the compost pile you thank it for its life um I think that it's a lot easier for us to understand that that question that um that question more gracefully when we think about food because we are taking in the sustenance and so therefore it's a lot easier to create that connection of honoring um but yeah, I, you know, being someone that is empathetic and and really aware of the life vibrations of other beings, you know, when you're first starting out and like doing this stuff, it's really hard. Sure, like last year, and I, I'm not even like a newbie with this stuff, but last year I had, last fall, I had an, an absolute like emotional meltdown, not in like a temper tantrum sort of way, but just like a deep um, mourning because I was pruning my elderberry trees and I didn't want to, (laughs) you know, because, and now, you know, they've come back this year and they're like so much healthier for it. So, you know, the plant life cycle definitely needs that pruning, but still like I just, they're, they're my plant allies. And so, you know, it's really challenging to, to go through the process of harming them. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, what we really need to keep in mind and keep close to our hearts is that we're not actually harming if there's an, if there's no intention, you know, yeah. to harm because plants and animals and the earth and stones, all these, all these amazing teachers know what intention is. Right. Everybody. Oh, right. They all know it. We do too, frankly. Yeah. You know, we all know what someone's intention is, whether or not we're willing to acknowledge that as another thing. 
Does that make sense? T- completely. I think that's great. Yeah. Death is hard to accept. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right? Yeah, you know, I mean, we have so much working against us <laughs> yeah. in accepting it. Um, and a, a lot of our, you know, world's religions are centered around accepting death. Yeah. Yeah. And so. honoring it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling yeah, in. It really you. means the world. So sure does. thanks. Yeah. Well, All that's, right. That's it, eh? That's it, All everybody. Right. Um, so... Thank you very, very, very much for all of your interest, your support, your questions, your messages, um, your love. It just, it's this, this thing called Ask a Hag is just fucking fantastic. It is. It really is. It's I'm, like it's, my favorite thing that I'm doing right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, it really is. And I mean that. You know, all three. What would make it better? What, Donna? Yeah, it would, oh. ma- <laughs> it would make it better if people continue to you call see in. how cool it is to hear people's voices. It's like, wow, you like have this intimate exchange. It's true. It's true. So yeah. thank you so call much, in, everybody. Yeah. The Ask a Hag podcast is produced by Donna Kyler. Our intro music is gracefully offered to us by Heidi Elva, and it is called There's a Spell. You can find her catalog on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or on the Anchor FM app. And you can find this podcast on Instagram at askahag or at askahagpodcast.com. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.